0: Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. I'm so excited to introduce Ashley Piper, who is a political strategist turned sustainability expert journalist, and TV personality whose work has been featured in Glamour, Refinery29, Women's Health, Reader's Digest, Washington Post, CNN, NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox News, to name a few. She also wrote the book, Give a Shit, Do Good, Live Better, Save the Planet. I am so excited for you to hear this. We talk about all that stuff and more, and it's such a great conversation. Here we go. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm really excited. I have followed you for a while and was really excited that you were willing to chat and come on the podcast. I am. Thank you very much for having me. This is really going to be fun. Yeah. So the first question I like to ask The podcast is called consciously clueless that gets at this idea that I've been exploring about, you know, becoming more conscious and with it And feeling that some days and then other days just being like, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm totally clueless and everything in between. So I like asking guests, you know, where do you feel like you are right now on that spectrum from conscious to clueless in this moment?
1: Well, if we're talking about, you know, being conscious as far as like your contributions to the world and kind of your interactions there, I feel like I'm doing pretty well. I feel in a good place. I think where if we're talking about kind of just consciousness generally, like, who am I, what am I doing that's satisfying or meaningful to me? Mm. um, I think I'm always in a place of evolving that. I mean, I'm always in a place of, I think we all are in a place of constantly evolving our behaviors in a way that actually makes you know, us feel like we're making good contributions to the world and to other people's lives and to our own lives. Uh, But I definitely think I'm in kind of a place of maybe not reinvention, but like a sense like I'm trying to figure Mm. out uh, what are the best ways to harness like my passions and what do I do with those? Like, where do I go from there? So um, that's really where I'm at. And sorry if you're hearing beeping. Uh, I'm trying to turn off this thing on my computer that is a residual work program. So (laughs) I'm actually not hearing it. Oh, good. It's just in my head. That's right. I've got a bunch of beeps going on. (laughs) No one else can hear them.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, I love that you said that. And that so in in kind of this, like what's next phase, it sounds Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Um, is, are you someone who's like, I'm in the what's next phase and I'm super excited. Or are you like, I'm scared shitless? Um,
1: I, I think, I think I'm neither. I'm kind of like the person who's like, I'm in the what's next phase. And why the hell don't I know what that is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm very much like a pretty, I'm a pretty type A person working on like, you know, both leaning into that and also being like being compassionate with myself about it, but also finding other strategies around it. But I definitely am hard on myself when it comes to ambition, productivity, accomplishments. And so if I reach a goal, I usually am the type of person who like savors it for like a day. And then I'm like, okay, what next? And sometimes not knowing the arc of what's next, like what that looks like, I think for all of us can be kind of troubling, especially right now, you know, the world is so unsure. We don't know when it will be a good idea to travel again, see our loved ones, you know, kind of resume life as normal, if that's even a possibility. So then if you're thinking about kind of uh, taking a different step or going in a different direction with like your career, your personal passions, it can just feel like but why don't I know what that is? And that adds like an extra sense of, you know, just kind of existential confusion. I can't believe I just used the term existential confusion,
0: but (laughs) I was like, yes, yes, yes.
1: we're getting existentially confused. Yes.
0: Um,
1: so I think I'm both, I think I'm both, and also not at all excited and scared, uh, because it's not that, I might be a little bit afraid of not knowing what it is. And I might be a little excited of not knowing what it is, but those aren't my two primary emotions. It's usually impatience with myself uh, of not knowing that. So that's kind of like where I tend to go, but I really would like to lean more into the whole, I don't know what this looks like, but gosh, I'm curious. And I'm, I'm, positively anticipating what that looks like because I know things will work out great like right I would love to naturally be that kind of person I would also love to meet people who are naturally those kind of people because I think <laughs> it's something you have to like train your brain to be like yeah whoa okay let's look at the silver lining here
0: let's look at the positive I'm I'm relating to you like I always forget I'm like this is a podcast people can't see you when I'm like shaking my head furiously agreeing yeah. with you but it, I totally relate to that idea of just really learning how to not put all my value as a human in my output and productivity and oh, yeah it's a lot of rewiring
1: it is a lot Because, I I mean, I don't know how old you are and I don't, you don't have to talk about how old you are or whatever, uh, if you don't want to. Some people are comfortable with it. Some people are. not
0: Oh, I just got my birth chart read on the last episode. So there's all of that's out there. I'll be 29 this month.
1: Oh my gosh. Beautiful year, beautiful age, good time. So I am 39 and I feel a lot like that, like growing up, you know, the Mm. kind of just, productivity which I actually get a lot of energy from and I like it Mm -hmm. was just ingrained in me hard work um you know chasing your dreams and so for those of us who feel like that or have been conditioned like that it's like what is downtime and like we can't even rest in the relaxing kind of pockets that we give ourselves because even if we're just sitting there and doing nothing our mind is like well what's next and what am I gonna I should be doing something else so I feel you Big yes. time, a lot of deprogramming that you know you have to kind of do.
0: Yes, totally. So I'm really curious to hear about how you went from politics, yeah, to yeah. Uh, to uh, vegan eco lifestyle writer. Like, where did that transition come from? Walk us through it. Yeah, oh, it doesn't
1: seem like a totally intuitive path.
0: <laughs> i It's a. It's a
1: it's a, it definitely was um, kind of, I wouldn't say a clunkier journey, but not a monolithic one. So I, uh, as you mentioned, had, was a political strategist for a decade. And during that time, you know, I had always been raised like in a way where we had companion animals that we adopted from shelters mm, mm-hmm. um, in kind of my 20s. I was very active in like fur protests and kind of animal rights-y type of like action not direct action necessarily but more like activism I would say and so I always cared about those things but you know as a political strategist I was working more on kind of the human impact side of things like public health um Mm. and uh, like child welfare these were kind of the I was a advisor in Massachusetts to two governors and those were kind of my two areas of focus and so I was really interested in like social impact and yeah totally like social equity and you know, all those things. Um, And then when I moved to Chicago and started working at a political strategy firm there, I uh, had gotten really personally into becoming vegetarian. It had just Mm -hmm. been something that like forever, I would like put it on my New Year's resolutions, like become vegetarian. And then I would like get a week into the new year and like fuck it up by going to Chipotle yeah. or something, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, at the time, Chipotle had no real vegetarian options. Uh, and so, <laughs> so I would always feel bad about it, but it was definitely something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And at the time I adopted my dog um, who is almost about to be 14. And I just wow. started to see such like uh, so many other animals in her. And I was like, damn. Okay. And I think actually having her in my life really helped to make the shift to vegetarianism and then later veganism really stick for Mm -hmm. me. And that was totally a personal pursuit. I mean, you know, I was kind of insufferable as I was exploring it because I always say like, there's nothing, and I say this affectionately being a longtime vegan, like there's nothing more insufferable than like a baby vegan, like a fresh vegan, because, you know, they're wonderfully well-intentioned. But I was like the kind of person who would be like, who wants to come over to my house and watch Earthlings? You know, and it's like (laughs) like, literally... (laughs) literally no one wants to do that that's like such a fucking bummer and uh (laughs) and so my family and my friends and my partner at the time I mean must have just been like oh that's just so obnoxious but so because right same 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 (laughs) it's just it's just a universal truth and then you know the longer you're in it the more relaxed you become and kind of you're like hey man I've been at this a while it's fine don't don't be hard on yourself it's okay oh Um, my god yes but yeah, it. and then from there, I got interested in like environmental stewardship, and so I just kind of became self-taught. I went on this own my own journey of sustainable living, essentially, mm-hmm. and I became so passionate about it, but, and it just transformed my life in really wonderful ways that I just straight up decided without having another job lined up, I'm going to leave this 10-year career, like all this financial security, all of this kind of clout that I had built, being a, a pretty well-known political strategist, I'm just going to leave it, and I'm going to see if I can you know, use my gifts in another way around like sustainability or around mm-hmm. veganism. And it left and it took me like a year to figure out like, what am I going to do? Because I just couldn't, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't find like the right organization. I didn't know if I wanted to work for an organization. Yeah. I wanted to work for myself. I just wasn't sure what any of that looked like because I followed such a traditional path before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent a year literally cleaning like the bathrooms of yoga studios for free classes and like really penny pinching and experiencing like an incredibly different life than what I've had before. But I was lucky because I was doing it by choice and I was giving myself the time to figure out what I wanted to do next. And it was during that time that I started uh, pitching certain like maybe smaller publications to write for them. I had never had any journalistic experience, but I was like, why not? And then as that kind of portfolio grew, I started pitching more mainstream magazines Mm -hmm. and publications. And as that grew, I started to think, well, maybe I could bring this on TV. Like maybe people would be interested and do certain small sustainable shifts or eat more plant-based if they knew how easy it was and they had someone who was kind of telling them like hey this this is a cool fit new product or this is a cool step you could take that's really
0: impactful but low sacrifice and in an approachable way that doesn't seem so intimidating
1: that didn't make people feel like shit you know and didn't make people feel judged and didn't make it feel like it was so impossible like you had to be perfect and so I started pitching finding like producers contact information on like Twitter and stuff and like pitching them. I had like no experience in doing any of this. It was actually kind of a a hard, but beautiful time because I had like nothing to lose. I was already like poor as shit. I wasn't doing this to like make money. Um, I felt like I had value to add, but I had never done any of this before. So if you don't have, and there weren't a lot of people, if any, really doing sustainability stuff on TV
0: Mm-hmm. um
1: or writing about it and like like I had a column in refinery 29 that was about like cruelty free beauty and vegan fashion and stuff like that oh, wow. and they had never done anything like that and that was probably like six years ago and so there wasn't really a blueprint and because there wasn't a blueprint for me I just wasn't afraid of failing because I already kind of felt like I was already grappling with feelings of like I'm sort of a fucking loser because I left this like great this, like, career this on sure a way, yeah and it was a nice feeling there a little bit because I just was so willing to try almost anything and was learned really to get strong around rejection too because you know producers and editors can be like uh you don't have the look we want or this is you know whatever it is and um I just it was just kind of nice because I was like I would get maybe 10 rejections in a day or something but I would be like it's okay we'll try again tomorrow and I just was really like doggedly kind of persistent and it ended up working out. Okay. And so, uh, over time, I, so since then I've done what, like 250 TV segments, I think all around sustainability and I write a lot for other publications. And then the book kind of came about as a natural extension of that. So, um, I had been, you know, doing this for probably about like five years, solidly four or five years, solidly, and I was able to get a literary agent and we put a proposal together right after Trump actually was elected and farmed it out. And it just was, it happened to be kind of the right time for a book like that. And
0: that's, that's how it happened. So, so your book, give a shit, do good, live better, save the planet. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't read it yet. It's been on my list for so long. And then this weekend when I saw, I was like, oh yeah, we're talking this week. And I haven't read her (laughs) damn book. How unprofessional of me, but I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, I also think it's really funny that right after Trump got elected, you got to publish a book or start a book that says give a shit. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just some good irony for some reason that feels right. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about the book?
1: Yeah. So when I was kind of on my own journey, I just didn't, There, there have always been good books around niche topics in sustainable living so I don't want to make it sound like I'm the only person who's done this because that's (laughs) not true um but I didn't feel I felt like there were books about like composting or veganism books like a lot of those areas were kind of well addressed but there wasn't like a primer that brought it all together under one roof and really kind of like, cause my book brings together like minimalism in a, in a measured way as an approach to sustainability. It talks about mm-hmm. zero waste, sustainable fashion, cruelty-free and vegan beauty, fashion, food, like secondhand. They're just like all the elements that kind of yes. make up a sustainable universe, including like being charitable, being kind. Um, like how to get involved in public policy and activism around sustainable issues, like all of those things into one Mm -hmm. book. I hadn't found something like that. It didn't seem to exist to me. And also I did, you know, like I come from a pretty conservative family. So they're actually, Mm. it's been a gift in a way because even though they don't necessarily like believe in all the climate change stuff, uh, I'm able (laughs) to see that they're very accepting and supportive of me and I'm able to see like what their perceptions are of, living sustainably like what are their hang-ups like what kind of stigmas they have around it and so they felt like uh it's inconvenient it's expensive it's crunchy and unfashionable and uncool um it doesn't work like it doesn't make an impact and i really that was great information for me because i wanted to actively like debunk all of those i wanted it to be like this is something that'll make your life better you don't have to be perfect um you know you can do these in incremental like really actionable steps it does make a difference here's mm-hmm. why um here's the deal around climate change because climate change is such an enormous issue and you know demystifying it a little bit uncomplicating it i think is really important for people to actually feel like any actions they're going to take are going to matter so right. I wanted all of that in one book, but I wanted it to feel not depressing to read because there are wonderful sustainability books out there that will give you a shit ton of scientific data um, that is great, but they make they leave you feeling really hopeless. And I yes. did not I wanted people to leave reading the book feeling really powerful feeling um like they have a responsibility but it's a joyful one Mm -hmm. and so that's really Mm -hmm. how the book how the book came about and uh it's been it's been an awesome journey it came out about two and a half years ago but I think it's still evergreen enough that like every day I get new people posting about it or writing me about it and I yeah it's just been such an exciting experience to make like to to produce a book on something I'm really passionate about
0: So it's so interesting because I talk to so many people who are vegan and it's funny how similar the path is that like the dominoes fall. So it's like whatever Mm -hmm. your path into that world is, then often, more often than not, leads to all these other things. So it sounds like for you, veganism was the thing that led to sustainability. Is that correct? Yeah.
1: yeah. Veganism was definitely my my gateway drug into (laughs) sustainability. But I think, you know, what I love about actually these things, and I think sometimes people don't talk about it and it's, you know, we try to, I think it's important to frame or reframe, these kinds of initiatives or changes you mm-hmm. make in your life as real joy bringers, like things that are exciting, they're full of adventure because so often like society tries to tell us like that's so challenging being a beginner. It's impossible yes. being sustainable. And really it's like, shit, this is exciting. And what I love about it is that both with like any kind of sustainable habit, whether you're looking to be more plant-based um, or you want to go full vegan, God bless you, you know, like I yeah. didn't do it overnight, a lot of people don't, but if there are people who do and I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Or you just wanna be like lower waist or you know, yeah. whatever your kind of issues are that you want to. Taking the steps and finding out that they're a lot easier than you feared or thought in the first place and that they're actually like impactful, making a difference, and that they actually make you feel good because it's kind of low sacrifice and you're doing something nice for the collective, it's really like contagious. You just want to do like more and more. And so I find that a lot people will write me and be like, Okay, yo, first I started with like reusable cloths instead of paper towels, but then I decided could compost at home and I'm loving it like you know and then it's just like a whole it just builds and then people in your life become curious about these things totally it's it's contagious for them as well so I think it's a very like positive kind of contagious movement if we make it that and if we we communicate it in that way and that's something I really love about it there's no there's no gatekeeper for sustainability and Mm. there shouldn't be and there's no limit to the amount of really good things we can do as individuals that don't involve policymakers, don't involve government, don't involve industry regulations. There's no limit to the good stuff we can do in our own personal habits and in our lives around sustainability. And that's fun and exciting.
0: I like that you talk about both though, that like individual action and the public policy action, because I think that when I first started diving into these things, I definitely went into like an obsessive mode Mm-hmm. Of like every action I did, if I screwed up, I was going to hell. If I accidentally forgot to like not ask for a straw, I felt guilty for days. Like, yeah. I was just like, well, I'm I'm a garbage person. <laughs> like, <laughs> like right. that, you know, I just was so obsessed at, with my individual action, and then I started learning about policy and bigger things, and I was like, does does that even matter? And then you just mm-hmm. kind of have to land on like, okay both yep. like both both yes and you hear people
1: a lot of times talk about kind of some of that data that came out in the guardian where it's like uh 70% of harmful global emissions are produced by these you know 20 companies mm-hmm. um and, and most if not all of those companies are fossil fuel companies there are a few agricultural companies in there um but we also need to recognize like we create the demand and we yes consume those products or those resources that those companies are providing like they wouldn't be making money if there wasn't a demand from individuals and then the collective so i look at it kind of like the same way we would address any kind of systemic large-scale problem like for instance it's a really good thing that people are talking about systemic racism these days much more it's long long overdue Um, and just because a lot of the systemic issues around like you know racism are things that really need to be solved by huge governmental action, big policy action um, around everything from education and economic equity to policing to reparations. You know, there's so yep. many things. Yep. That doesn't absolve me from individually doing anti- actively anti-racist work. Like that doesn't that, absolve yes. me from reading and educating myself so I don't put the burden on my BIPOC like friends, you know, that doesn't insult me from learning more about history and how it's been racist and how I've benefited by being like a a white woman, you know, in the world. So I think that you need both. That's basic. Yeah. You absolutely need both. But I get asked that question a lot. Like, well, these it's these 20 companies. So like, I'm just a person. And I'm like, we can have both. We can push for the bigger action, but you can also be doing your part. There's Like, that's the most powerful thing of all time is to be like, I'm governing how I live my life and I'm choosing to make these decisions that I know are going to be better for the planet, better for people, better for animals. Like, I can't think of anything nicer than that, frankly.
0: That's such a good parallel, too, that you drew with, you know, like systemic racism, systemic anything. It doesn't Mm -hmm. absolve our individuals. Like, we don't get to be a shitty person because these companies aren't fixing things yet. Right. Right. And that is so such a good example to put it in that frame. Cause I think it's um, we think about sustainability a little different. We don't think about it in the systematic and systemic Mm -hmm. ways as Mm -hmm. we do other issues, but that was, that's really helpful. It like gives a visual almost.
1: Well, thanks. And that's a good point that you make. Like we don't think about sustainability as a, as a solution to a systemic problem, but global Mm -hmm. warming and, or, you know, climate change more aptly, Mm -hmm is an extremely systemic problem, perhaps like the very definition of a systemic problem.
0: Yeah, totally. Do you have any success stories where you had like people in your life where you're like, I never thought this person would think about veganism or sustainability. And they came to me five years later and they go to every veg fest every year. (laughs) You know,
1: I have some, I, and they're usually like real surprises. So it's Mm -hmm. a lot of people, for instance, I'm from Texas originally. And uh, a lot of people I happen to be really tangentially connected to in life, like through Facebook or something. Right. Right. And I went to high school with them, you know, was kind of close with them. We're not like, you know, connected via phone or text or anything like that. But you know, when the book came out or when I started doing TV segments, I would get messages from like just totally random people who I knew I was connected to on Facebook but they'd be like oh waiting more meatless meals or I'm buying only cruelty-free makeup or my kid, our whole household's gone vegan you know like all these things and I'd be like yo I haven't talked to you in like 15 years but that's fucking cool and uh I've received even more of that from since the book came out like and I've been it's really look I I recognize like writing a book was a huge investment of time and the, I work a full-time job in addition to doing the sustainability stuff. So like, and that job doesn't have anything to do with sustainability, but what I really <laughs> appreciate is reading a book is like a huge, it's a huge uh, investment of other people's time to read the book mm. I wrote. So when, uh, when somebody just lets me know that they took the time to read it, I feel incredibly honored. And then when I find out that it inspired them or it, made them feel less alone or made them feel excited like that just is it's mind-blowingly awesome to hear um, because both it's the investment of time that they put into that but also they got something out of it just like it's rad so it's it's been a lot of like people from my kind of early life in Texas who have really surprised me Um, and even when I go on like TV segments you know I might need a news anchor for like 20 minutes as we go yeah. through the segment, we do the segment and then we say our goodbyes. And a lot of times what I would do is uh, if I got any kind of props from like a company or something like that, um, or had props to the book, even though I can't put the book on TV, for obvious reasons, it has shit right on the car. <laughs> but, but I would give, the, I would usually try to distribute the props or the products to the people who were working at the news station if they are interested it's just a way to also give those brands an extra boost of like hey this news anchor on you know good morning america now has a stasher bag or whatever it is love my stasher bags i mean my god and (sighs) i would just it would be so fun to see like i get an email three months later from the news anchor or something and it would be like oh my god i now have a bidet i have a toilet paper (laughs) toilet paper delivery service and we're not using paper towels anymore like I can't stop like this is so great and it's, so those are always fun too because I'm like well, yes, I, you know so it's it's really neat and I, I think it's like everyday activism does that too like how many of us have dated a person or you know become friends with people or we work with people and we're not being pushy we're just kind of like doing our thing and then suddenly someone will send you and be like I'm pretty sure I'm eating a vegan meal right now, you know, like, and you'll be like, damn, that's cool, man. So I think everybody, whether you don't have to write a book or go on TV to have that same kind of impact on people individually, but it's always exciting.
0: Yeah. I think that's another good point I've been thinking about a lot lately too, is we just so underestimate our ability to make change. Like I always say, like, if you have a social media platform, you don't have to be on social media if you don't want to, but if you do, and you have five followers, you could like influence one to five people to do something different. And similarly to like what you were saying, I um, am a brand ambassador for thinks Underwear. Oh, love it. Yeah, I love and my thing. Oh my gosh, they're my favorite. And if you ever need a code, hit me up. Oh my God, I might. (laughs) And and somebody from high school that, you know, I hadn't talked to in a long time messaged me and was like asking me questions about period underwear and periods and all this stuff. And I was like, what? Like it was the most (laughs) bizarre thing (laughs) But it was a reminder, like people are listening and watching. If you post something, like you can have more influence than you, we give ourselves credit for, Yeah, you know, like this one person might've had a better period next month because they bought some of these things and I hadn't talked to them in 12 years, but still (laughs) like, that's crazy. Yes. And I, I actually think to take that even a step further, like the
1: way that influencing, like I don't consider myself an influencer. I actually don't like the term personally, but (laughs) The way that influencing has gone where it's such a bought and paid for kind of arrangement. And again, totally understand. Influencing is a job and you need to be able to sustain yourself and make money. Thankfully, I'm not in that position. So like, I don't really like do brand sponsorship partnership things, but I know a lot of people do, Mm -hmm. but the market has got, so people's feeds have gotten saturated with, oh it's the Nordstrom sample sale oh, oh my god know, all this shit right and so you'll even in the sustainability realm because now just in like the past four years you see people who are like sustainability influencers which is cool I'm glad about it because like we need people on kind of every level doing the TikToks yes. and doing the policy that we need people doing all this stuff but it sometimes like you'll just see the same people or like multiple people promoting the same shampoo bar in your thread. Right. And look for the whole week. And I get it. Like, you know, brands have coordinated marketing efforts whereby they want influencers and stuff. That said, I think like the person who has the five followers, like you were talking about what they have with those five followers that a lot of influencers, like bigger scale, like I've got a million followers type influencers don't have is they have the ear and the trust of those five people yes and so like you already have a relationship with that person you know they're not trying to like manipulate you to buy something because it fiscally benefits you
0: yes I
1: would actually argue that like in some ways that's a much more organic and powerful following than someone who has like so many more followers who is doing this as a job right and so that's more that's not to like shit on influencers but right 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 say, you know, the uh, the supposed average social media Joes who are like, Oh, I don't have any followers. Like nobody cares what I have to say. You would really be surprised. You pack much more of a wallet than you think.
0: I love that. And it's such a good reminder to use that platform. If you have something to say. Yeah, absolutely. No matter what. And I think there's also, I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts on this when you said that the direction I thought you were going actually um, was talking about greenwashing because now there's this whole like, Oh, wait a second. It's capitalism, right? Like we could make money off of people wanting to be more sustainable. Let us try and sell them things that aren't actually that sustainable. Yep. And so it's like, now there's this tricky market where I feel like sometimes the average person who's trying to do better is confused yeah
1: yeah I mean we can totally talk about greenwashing I think that does that's a net that's a natural segue from like talking about influencers because I think what's nice on the nice end is that people who are into sustainability and people who are also like into cruelty free or vegan products are very much considered a real category with purchasing power we're like actual customers that people give a shit about so that's important because that means more things for us to choose from, which is great. But it also mm-hmm. makes the market really ripe for misrepresentation. And you know, I think the same as how like cruelty free—you'll like look at a product mm. and you'll be like, "I ain't never seen this seal before," and they can just like fuck around and put whatever they want to on a product. Um, I think that's what we're seeing with like green and natural and eco-friendly. These are totally yeah. un- unregulated terms. There are a few bodies that are pretty reputable that might like talk about or certify certain kinds of materials or manufacturing mm-hmm. processes, but there is no seal that is like universally agreed upon and recognized as being like, this is a sustainable product. That doesn't exist. And so I find it so funny because what you'll see are these influencers who start off and they're like, they've really got it. Like, they get sustainability, they understand yep. that true sustainability is. First, using what you've got. Using like, what you
0: have. <laughs>
1: using, I keep pointing to my finger. Using what you freaking have. There's, yes. Like, I mean, and then if you need something, you need something. Acquiring it secondhand, acquiring it through the circular kind of borrowing economy or sharing economy or, you know, purchasing something new if you have to from an eco-friendly, you know, human rights oriented kind of business, right? That These are right. like the first stops we should go on but what's happened instead is that people are like have lost sight of that and they and influencing is their job now and so they're like oh h&m's conscious collection and it's like that's not that's not and i'm not again i have friends who have promoted like who have had partnerships with the conscious collection and stuff like that and they're beautiful and i think it's great and these are people who really get sustainability um i want to say like Businesses taking steps to like have a conscious collection or recognizing like being more sustainable or having a buyback program, even if their business is like an H&M or something like that, still a really good step in the right direction. So not saying that those aren't the thing, but literally there are some influencers where it's like every damn day it's a sponsored post and it's about buying something new. And I recognize there's no money in telling people to go to this restaurant store and buy something (laughs) secondhand. And there's certainly no money in telling people to use the fork they have at home or the old Tupperware (laughs) or the old water bottle instead of going and buying something new. Yeah. So I get that. I know it's like a real catch 22 and this is uncharted territory because sustainable products are just now starting to see have their moment in the spotlight. Um, But yeah, I think it's it's a little tough because there's no like consumers and just like people on social media. You can't just trust in any case what an influencer says that like everybody should be kind of critically thinking on their own about like what works for their lifestyle and what they're willing, like what's aligned with their values Um, because, because there's nobody out there who like has all the answers on it. There's, you know, very few influencers who aren't taking money to do sponsored kinds of posts. So yeah, you know, it makes it a little tough for regular people to know where the, where the frick to go to be more sustainable.
0: Totally. I, you know, I have the privilege of being able to like sit down and do research when I decide I need something. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I'm going to invest a month because I get, I, my research just, I will, I will research things to do. What are you,
1: are you a Virgo or something? I was going to say. I'm a Pisces. Ooh, I feel your water sign like I am, girl, I'm a cancer.
0: Okay, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. And I learned way more after getting my birth chart read this week. I was (laughs) like, this explains everything. (laughs) But I... I I had this moment where like my mom and I had gone to the store together and she has, um, you know, slowly been like adopting more sustainable practices and wants to learn more. So she was, we were at Target and mm-hmm. she was like, oh, I need laundry soap. And so we're in that section looking at the like better for you natural section of the laundry soap aisle at Target. Yes. And there's still, you know, 14 options. Yep. And my mom was like, kind of just looked at me and was like, well, how do I, how do I know? And I, I was like, I'm not sure. Like, you know, we could stand here and Google all of these. I could, or we could trust this one because we've heard of this one. Or I just had this moment where I was like, how is the average person who doesn't necessarily want to invest 10 hours of research into laundry soap, but who wants to make a difference Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell do they do? Yeah. You know, that's hard.
1: That is hard. And I think it, I, a lot of it has to, and I don't necessarily like, like want to plug my book and be like, well, my book can help, but it could because <laughs> I, I approach it from the standpoint of like, what's your, what's your kind of hierarchy of values in sustainability? Mm. For some people it's being vegan or shopping for things that are cruelty free. For some people it's zero waste. You know, it's like, uh, some people, it's totally plastic free. Some people it's low tox. Like I don't want something that's full of fucking chemicals, even though everything, but you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) So when you understand like the issues around each of those kind of niche, like topics, you can then build your own value system. So I know people, Mm. for instance, who are very, very into sustainable fashion, but sustainable fashion for them includes like wool, leather, you know. Items like that, that maybe someone who like me who identifies as an ethical vegan, I might have some of those items, but I only purchase them secondhand, right. um, you know, so everybody kind of has their own like rubric of where they like their entry level into sustainability. Yeah. Like, What's your pet issue? Because it's really difficult, especially right now to find any kind of products That would fulfill every single thing that you would ultimately want something to be. So, you know, if you're looking at that aisle of laundry detergents, if you're a person who's into plastic free, you might be going for the powdered version that's in paper. You know, if you're someone who's into cruelty free, you would be looking at the companies that aren't owned by parent companies like Clorox or P&G yeah. Um, you would be looking for something that's explicitly not tested on animals, like a Mrs. Meyer's Clean Day or something like that. But yeah. that is in plastic, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's. I think it's like important to kind of say like, where's my first like entry into sustainability? Like, what's my most? What's the issue that's most important to me? Because like for instance, I could buy something from. I could you know I used to go to Payless when I first was vegan and yeah. buy shoes there right? Yeah. So they have animal friendly products. I think they've gone under since but they have animal friendly products, but it's all fast fashion. And it's all like, yeah, you know, totally. produced elsewhere. And it's terrible human rights, likewise. So everybody kind of has to have their understand better understand these issues and their impacts in them. And then yeah. they can kind of formulate what's most important to them. And that will help to be a little bit of a North star when it comes to, whoa, whoa I've got 15 options, what should I buy?
0: That's such a good point. And I think what it also illustrates, which I need a reminder all the time is that you can't be perfect. No, right? is no. That like, it's impossible. Exactly. Like there, I don't remember which I am going to kick myself. Cause I'll remember after we get off this call, but one of my guests, one of the favorite quotes that have came up was just like, you can't be perfect in an imperfect world. And it's such a simple phrase. But until I heard that out loud, I was like, Oh my gosh, why am I trying to be perfect in a world that's not going to allow me to ha- make a perfect choice? Like, that's really setting myself up for frustration.
1: Seriously. And especially now, you know, we're in a pandemic, okay? So, like, <laughs> and in, case, in case y'all been under a rock, just thought out of a block of ice, I got news for you. For the past year, we've been in a pandemic. It's been crazy. Shit! Uh, and, and a lot of people feel badly because... It's yes. really more difficult than ever to avoid disposables or single use items during said pandemic. It is really difficult to shop in bulk, depending upon where you live. If that, that was something can. I used to do
0: yep, and same. it's not
1: something that's possible. Where are you at, Carly?
0: I'm in Grand Marais, Minnesota. So it's like way the hell up North. If you got to Canada, you're just a little bit too far.
1: Okay. Nice. So you cold right now. You're feeling I'm cold. cold. You're cold. So, and Minnesota's great. Cause you guys have like, at least I went to Voyagers national park a few years ago and we drove oh, yeah. through Minnesota and I just was like, wow. At every like stop, there were just these like natural food stores with like tons of bulk stuff. It was really fantastic. Yeah. Um, we're pretty
0: good on that. And I'm way up North. We're lucky. We have a really beautiful co-op. Like it's a really small town, but we have a oh, great, great co-op and especially being vegan in a small town up North. Um, it was, it's really great, but a lot of bulk stuff is gone. I've got mo- I've bought more vegetables and plastic in the last, Year than I had probably for four years, and I had a freaking crisis at the beginning. Yeah,
1: it's really hard. I mean, like, even just simple things like getting a coffee, which now has become kind of the one time I leave my house. Now, I'm in Joshua Tree right now because I'm kind of living here for like four months, but oh,
0: beautiful. Well, it's an
1: escape winter plan, but I live in Chicago (laughs) most of the time, (laughs) and after 15 years of a Chicago winter, my boyfriend and I were like we want to be somewhere else for winter during this pandemic we just want to want to give ourselves a a moment um but you know in Chicago during the pandemic one thing like my one kind of exciting outing would be to walk my dog and go get a cup of coffee you know and can't get can't get your own thing filled I haven't gotten like a regular coffee cup in freaking like seven years or something it's been a really long time and that was kind of a that was kind of like a oh shit like I'm making a lot of trash. Like I'm making yeah. a lot more trash than I thought I ever would again in my life. Yep, and I think same. everybody just needs to be like a little gentle with themselves and be like, this is, this is what we're living in right now.
0: We're all doing our best
1: and and, uh, and
0: not compromising our own health.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, just cause I was like, okay, what am, what am I going to do? Like not eat salad for a year. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. I yeah. mean, <laughs> I see people doing a lot of, um, I'm sure you're no, no stranger to this, you know, the vegan community can be both is full of wonderful, super well intentioned people. It can also be filled with gotcha vegans who are like, well, the impossible burgers, not vegan, you know, and all this shit. And it's like, okay, man, thanks so much. Like, and the sustainability movement is full of that too. I think now they yes. kind of call these people like self-appointed gatekeepers or whatever, but like, yeah. you, you know, man, there are so many things like, and it's almost impossible to get aspirin in like a yeah. glass bottle nowadays or people who are on birth control. Like I'm not yep. gonna tell you, tell you to not use a condom because it's plastic, you know? <laughs> you <laughs> yes. gotta look out for yourself or, you know, my dog's on heart medication. It comes in the biggest fucking plastic bottle I've ever seen. Like these are just real life things. And yeah, uh, that's why I actually don't love the term zero waste because I'm like, nobody is zero waste. Waste. you can strive toward it it's a cool thing to strive to but sometimes we see people more like well i can't fit all my trash in a jar and no shade to like lauren singer who's a great great person as far as i know her like she kind of popularized that a little bit yeah via johnson they're both amazing influencers in the space not everybody can do that and like i don't want people to feel precluded from participating because they
0: can't do that yeah especially in the beginning if you're just following those people right like i We don't have a pharmacy up here right now so i have to order it from god knows where and my antidepressants come in a big fedex plastic and then a smaller thing and then the actual bottle and i am not going to be here this winter without them yeah i mean
1: carly that's so selfish (laughs) of you to want antidepressants during the (laughs) minnesota winter during a pandemic, during a pandemic? <laughs> how self-serving are you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> These are things that are critical yes. for you to show up in the world every day. So yep. they come in plastic until someone starts like a startup that whereby you, you know, can get it without, this is the best option. Like
0: I yes. agree, you should
1: never compromise your health, like well-being, you know, your pet's health for in pursuit of some kind of purist, uh, standard of sustainability or veganism that just doesn't exist.
0: Yes, I remember seeing some sort of influencer, or whatever, um, on social media talking about how, like, the way she handles headaches now. Mm-hmm. And okay. it was about, like, now that I am zero waste and more, um, I'm paraphrasing, but now mm-hmm. that I, you know, do less waste and low toxicity in my life and blah, 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 blah. Instead of taking ibuprofen because it comes in a plastic bottle, I can take a bath and blah, 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 And like all these things. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's great. I also try and take less, you know, drugs if I have to and solve things naturally. I'm a big old hippie. Yeah. At the same. At the same time, I'm not going to tell someone, like I'm imagining like a single mom of three. Could you imagine telling her like, honey, you can't buy ibuprofen anymore. And if you yeah. have a headache, please take a bath.
1: Yeah. Sorry.
0: Yeah.
1: It's definitely, um, it, yes, there. So everybody lives differently. And I do think that's another thing as well. I don't, I don't know the person you're speaking about. I'm sure. I don't even
0: remember her name. Fine. I just remember seeing it and being like, well, that's, and I got what she was saying It was, yeah. and I got it and it's important, but it just those without the like caveat at the end that says this works for me and not for everyone. Right. That's the right. problem. I think that is like, then there's this expectation that if you can't do that, you're a shit person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, that's, I mean, we all live differently, you know, and yeah. not all
0: of us. I think
1: this is another thing that's kind of toxic about influencer culture is that, you know, we don't see most of people's lives, obviously, yes. on social media. And that's by design because it's kind of meant to be. You don't see a lot of accounts that are created that are like, these are the shitty depressing moments where I've hit rock bottom. <laughs> like, nobody would follow that. It would be like a tough sell. Um, but, you know, not only that, but like a lot of people who are prominent influencers, some of whom I've met and are really, really nice people, cool people, super well-intentioned, you know, they live lives where they are like jet setters or they live in Bali, you know, where they can go and access like fresh fruit right off the tree and, you know, everything's (laughs) eco-friendly there because the whole system there is like maybe more conducive to living in that way. Okay. I, I can't imagine someone like in a food desert in Chicago or someone who's like living yes. in a really rural area of Kansas telling them, why don't you just buy it in bulk? You know, that's not a possibility. And yep. then there are people who actually like work real jobs and do not real. I shouldn't say real jobs, like influencing isn't a real job. It is. But like people who are out there busting their hump at different kinds yep. of jobs it's not feasible to be like, why aren't you packing your lunch every day? Or why aren't your children eating yep. organic or whatever? It's like, fuck it, man. These people are just, just trying to yep. get through it, get through every day. So yes. it, yeah. Influencing has kind of, I think that caveat you talked about is so important. It's that this is what I do. I have mm-hmm. found this works well for me. Maybe you find value in it. Maybe you don't totally. Okay. Cause again, I'm not the gatekeeper of what sustainability is like yes. for each individual person
0: yes oh I love this this is so important like so important
1: we're just Um, out here doing the Lord's work you know on on the podcast amen amen (laughs) preach (laughs) this is iced coffee by the way this is not wine I recognize this look (laughs) this is this is a wine glass but it is iced coffee
0: the last time you picked it up I saw there was ice but the first time I was like is she drinking red wine? Good yeah. for her.
1: Ashley, <laughs> like... Ashley Piper's really going in. No, it's ice <laughs> coffee.
0: It's only like four here. So no, not yet. Soon. Oh man. Um, I want to be cognizant of time. Cause you said that you had, I'm okay. I'm okay for like another 10 minutes. So, okay, perfect. Well, is there anything that you didn't get to share? I didn't give you space. I didn't ask about that. You're like, I have to share this. This is a burning desire to be on this podcast and share this.
1: Um, No, because you're like a really wonderful interviewer and podcast host. And I feel like you gave so much space. I feel like I just like rattled on and on. So thank you.
0: Oh, well, thank you. No, this was absolutely lovely. If people are totally inspired by you, which I have no doubts they will be, where can they get a hold of you or follow you? Like, what's the best way?
1: Yeah, so I'm most active on the gram. Um, after all the talk about influencers, I'm like, here I am on the gram. So um, I met Ashley Piper on Instagram, and it's Ashley with two E's, and no Y, just like Ashley Simpson, except I was born before her. Um, let's see what else. I also have a website that is my name, ashleypiper.com, but I honestly have not done shit with that website for a while. And then if people are really interested, I... Don't know if people know I wrote a book and so the book is called give a shit do good live better save the planet. It is not only available in hardcover form which I have to say I made lots I went like we did lots of things to make sure that the paperback book was super sustainable so like for instance. I didn't do a hardcover release because hardcovers are really shitty for the environment. They take up like four times more paper. And the book itself is fully recyclable, fully compostable, made in North America, which is like really rare. Most books are printed and bound in China. Mm -hmm. Um, So produced in Canada using wind power and all of the paper is FSC paper and all of the inks are like water-soluble soy-based inks. So the book itself is very sustainable, but there's also an audible version that I narrate. Okay. And then there's an ebook version as well. And I like the book is at tons uh, pretty much every library. So if you're not into like buying a book, you can just get it at your local.
0: That's amazing. Thank you. Thank so, you. so, so, so much. This was so fun. I hope we connect in the future and connect Me too. again.
1: Me too. And come to Chicago sometime when life is, it's safe to do so.
0: Well, I haven't been to Chicago since a high school band trip, so it's probably time to come Every back time. as like a full-fledged adult.
1: Well, hopefully summertime, you know, sometime warm. Come through. Yes, we'll grab, we'll grab drinks, we'll grab foods, we'll just have a great time
0: that sounds amazing. I'm so down. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. A great way to cap off the day. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. That conversation with Ashley got me thinking about so many things sustainability related, but also about how we talk about these issues and just to ease up the pressure on ourselves within these systems. If you're enjoying this podcast, hit subscribe wherever you're listening. If you want to help me get this into the ears of more listeners, send it to a friend, text it to a family member, share on social media, and tag me. Whatever you can do really helps me out. To be read on air as a review of the week, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And if you haven't yet, head over to patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and see what I'm up to over there. Until next time.